Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we talk with Marcy Preheim on legalism, grace, and what genuine godliness looks like. And also, I wanted to quickly mention that this month is our fiscal year end, meaning that our budgeted year has come to its completion. Uh, this is a time of year when we really do ask all of our listeners and those who believe in InDoubt's mission and vision to give. InDoubt, as you know, is a nonprofit. It's sustained by God through people who believe that a good work is being done in and through this ministry. So this is what I'm asking, that you prayerfully consider partnering within doubt by giving $5 a month. It's part of our campaign, Let's Talk $5. It's only 16 cents a day. I decided to, you know, split it up just to see how much it was per day, 16 cents. And it would mean so much for us if you decided to do this. If this interests you, just head to indoubt.ca slash let's talk. That's indoubt.ca slash let's talk. Well, I'm trying to remind Christians of the gospel and saying, listen, the gospel is not about what you do for Jesus. The gospel is about what Jesus did for you. It's because you're not righteous that you need a savior. Hey, welcome again to In Doubt. We are now approaching summer, formally speaking, of course. I think June 20th is the official first day of summer. And from the release of this episode, that would mean it's tomorrow. So summer is a day away. Um, We're releasing our first In Doubt Summer Guide pretty soon. This guide will have on it some things that, you know, we kind of suggest that you do uh, this summer. It's not a, a recreational guide per se, but obviously it deals with faith and culture and bringing the gospel into faith and culture. So we'd love for you to participate in that. So more information will be coming soon uh, for the In Doubt Summer Guide. Now, as I mentioned, we have the privilege of chatting with author and speaker Marcy Preheim today. Many of you listening, you grew up in the church. You know, you've always just known church. Now, whether or not your parents, your pastor, or your youth group meant it or not, many times we can feel like we've been taught legalism instead of grace. You know, doing memory verses, doing your Bible reading, going to church, saying the right things, and and so on and so forth. You're doing all these things in order to be right with God. That's legalism. Now, for Marcy, she felt like godliness was a synonym for a disciplined life. So, you know, if I'm, you know, doing all these things right, if I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and doing my Bible reading and going to church and memorizing these verses, I must be godly. That's what Marcy felt like until she truly understood and experienced the grace of God in the gospel. And that's what we're getting at today. So here's my conversation with Marcy. With me today is Marcy Preheim. Marcy is the author of a book called Grace is Free, One Woman's Journey from Fundamentalism to Failure to Faith. That's an interesting title. Uh, she's also active in doing different formal ministry events like you know teaching at you know women's conferences and Bible studies and so on and so forth. Anyways, great to be chatting with you today, Marcy. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, l- let's just start with this. Um, how did you meet Jesus and where are you at now? Well, uh, okay, so I was raised in a very strict fundamentalist 
church. It was non-denominational, but very similar to maybe the uh, independent fundamentalist Baptists. Okay. So, you know, from a very early age, our behavior was tracked to understand whether or not we were saved or not. There were multiple prayers of salvation just to make sure Bible verse memory from a very early age, <laughs> yeah. um, all kinds of spiritual activities. We lived at church. My mother was the women's ministries director. My dad was an elder. We were at church three, four times a week. I, I knew the gospel, but also came away with the understanding that you had to fit into a certain mold. I was a girl, so I had to look and dress and act a certain way. I had to have certain gifts. Right. Certain spiritual gifts were for men and certain spiritual gifts were for women. And um, that was that was hard for me because I have this great big personality. And right. <laughs> <laughs> turns out I love theology. I love to study. I love to teach. I love to write. So ironic to me that that's not, you know, really a, a girl gift. Right, right. So, um, you know, but also I'm a, a sinner. And <laughs> so, you know, the teenage years were um, were hard for me or hard for my parents. Mm. We kind of had a, a process of sin management, okay. you know, at our church where you, you put forth a facade of good behavior. And then if you're a sinner, well, you do that where nobody can see you, where you won't right. ruin your testimony right. for Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I moved to Hollywood at 19 to pursue my dreams of becoming a famous model and actress. And ironically, I, um, I met Jesus there through mm. a series of extremely painful circumstances, which drove me back to what I knew, back to a, a fundamentalist church. Wow. But just through a series of, you know, which you can read about in the book. Yeah. And I, I met Jesus for real. The difference between my salvation prayer at that time was that I wasn't promising to do better. Hmm. I was finally admitting I can't do better and that's I so need good. a savior. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And where, where are you at now? So that was the, obviously the point where you sort of felt a greater, I don't know, I don't want to use the word connection. It's kind of cheesy, but you did be able, you were able to connect with the grace of Jesus then. Um, right, and that right. began a journey, I'm guessing, to where you are now. Yeah, of course. I mean, I you know took a I don't know five six year break from from church life right. <laughs> to sow my wild oats. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I've been in church uh, ever since. I've been. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. I've been in a similar um, non denominational church for about twenty years. Oh wow! So you know, I've I've been teaching the women there. I um, I led a, a ministry to drug addicts in the inner city for for about 14 years. Wow. So that was that was very good for me actually. Probably better for me than it was for those the addicts that had yeah. to, you know, bear with me while I worked out my theology and yeah. so Oh, that's good. I spent a I spent a lot of time trying to make moralism and the gospel fit together and Turns out that doesn't work so well. Right, exactly. Well, that's good. We need people like you to be able to share about those things and who know it and have kind of experienced the struggle. Um, right. That's very cool. Now, um, for those listening who might not know, uh, Marcy's book was published under Cruciform Press. And that is a publisher, I should say, um, connected actually even with Tim Challies and things like that, uh, that publish really short books 
um, on very specific topics. There's not a lot of fluff. It just kind of gets to the point. So it's really good for many people, uh, you know, 20s, 30s, somethings that maybe don't have huge attention spans uh, just to read it and get it. So anyways, Marcy, my question is, how did you get involved with uh, Cruciform Press and how did that whole process start? That's, it seems interesting to me. Yeah. Well, actually, my book was quite a bit longer before I came in in touch with Cruciform Press. I self-published the book. Um, It was originally called Super Free Woman. And (laughs) um, Tim Challies came and spoke at our church. And my pastor who wrote the foreword gave him a copy Mm. of my book. And and then Tim uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, what are the odds that you would want to republish through us? And of course, I jumped at the chance. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. All right. Well, let's let's jump into this. Um, when I first read the title of your book, I was you know intrigued. Obviously, uh, you say grace is free, and then one woman one woman's journey from fundamentalism to failure to faith. Um, so I'm wondering if you can kind of kind of briefly explain this title, and I'm guessing that your testimony already kind of shared a little bit into that. Uh, but then also, how would you just describe the main point of your book in just a few sentences? Okay. Well, I think that would be best described by first reading Galatians 3, 2, and 3, where Paul is exhorting the Galatians, and he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Mm. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Right. And the answer in my book is yes. Right. <laughs> we are so foolish. And here are all the ways that we do that. Here are all the ways that we um, try to control the Holy Spirit by defining gifts and defining genders and parenting each other and making sure, you know, we don't get too out of control or um, making sure women are doing what women are supposed to do and men are doing what men are supposed to do. And um, then we end up robbing each other of intimacy because instead of being able to be transparent, um, even with our sin and struggles, we're we're hiding from each other and we're putting Mm. forth this facade of, of godliness that isn't even real. And we're doing it for the sake of our testimony. And then that's not a very good testimony when you go, Hey (laughs) world, you need to clean yourself up and be super righteous. Like I am, even though I'm really not, but you don't know that. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. So you say grace is free then. So what are you trying to sort of promote in this book then? Well, I'm trying to remind Christians of the gospel Mm. And saying, listen, the gospel is not about what you do for Jesus. The gospel is about what Jesus did for you. It's because you're not righteous Mm -hmm. that you need a Savior. And then after you receive your Savior, after you receive the free gift of grace, Mm -hmm. it's it's not you who's cleaning yourself up. That's just propping up the old Adam. That's just faking it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's still God who is at work in you and, and he's calling you to rest and let him do it. Right. <laughs> well, that's good. Now you, you touched on this, but I want to, I just want to kind of ask it plainly and then you can answer it. Um, you know, you said that growing up, you sort of had this idea that the, yeah, the more disciplined you, you were, the more, you know, 
you know, the girl spiritual gift things, you know, like the more you were like that, uh, the more you were godly, you know. So I'm wondering, though, uh, I think a lot of us can fall into that mentality without actually, you know, cognitively thinking about it. Like, I'm not going to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, so I'm more godly. Um, So can you sort of unpack this and explain how both men and women, I know you're kind of writing to women, but both men and women can fall into this trap today. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> this is what happens when we turn um, the gospel. We turn back to the law, right? And to make ourselves holy. This is what the Israelites did. They're like, "Oh yeah, we we will obey the law." When the whole point of the law is to inform you what sin is, mm. and then to condemn you when you can't do it. So when we try to make ourselves righteous by law, we're denying the gospel. Mm. And so we do the same thing the the Jews in Jesus's day did too, is that we add laws to God's law in order to like, quote unquote, help us obey the law. So when, (laughs) when the new Testament says be hospitable, we, um, this is what women do. We go, okay, well, this is what hospitality looks like. We, you know, you have to do it like Martha Stewart. And so to the (laughs) point where we've added all of these laws to where, you know, people like me are in the fetal position. Like, I don't know, do we want tablecloths that touch the floor or not? I don't know. (laughs) know? I don't care. And, and somehow all of this is a measure of our godliness. All of these things that Jesus told Martha Right. To stop fussing about. Yeah, you are good. fussing and worried about many things, yeah. Martha, that don't matter. Right. But in in evangelicalism, we have taught women that it is godly right. to fuss about all these things that don't matter. Yeah. And so, and then we just end up competing with each other. And I think men do the same thing. It's like it's it's there's a list of things that a godly man is supposed to look like. And and then it becomes a competition for who's the manliest man or the godliest man or the godliest woman. And then where's intimacy? We can't be intimate with people that we're competing with. Yeah, that's, that's good. You know, and and as you say that, Marcy, I'm, I'm totally tracking with you. And, and I, it's hard because we're in the age of, you know, obviously social media, the internet, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of my peers, you know, being, you know, 20s and 30s, we're, we grew up with that. So it's our second nature to be on Instagram and Facebook and all these different things. And I feel like that only obviously increases that competition because now we start to see pastors and church leaders and worship leaders and all these different people, you know, showing what they do and what they wear and all that kind of stuff online and now we're looking at them and saying well that that's what godliness is so it's not just rules it's like style now too and the way the yeah. things that you say so i don't know if you wanted to reflect on that but it's i mean it's there's just an endless list there's just an endless list of hoops to jump through and yeah. then you jump through them all and you realize there's 10 more right and you know paul the entire new testament you know <laughs> even the imperatives are impossible. Right. To, you know, how you get, be perfect as your father in heaven is right. perfect. <laughs> Guess what? That is impossible. Yeah. This is why we need a savior. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think Christians have lost the understanding of what it is to live in freedom. Like the gospel doesn't turn you into a robot. Right. It sets you free. Like your dad, your parents, they love you no matter what. Right. right. Yeah. 
that's how God is. He's not like, oh, I love you. Oh, now I don't. Yeah. If you messed up, <laughs> now I love you. Now I don't. Now I love you. I mean, he doesn't, it's a free gift. Right. He doesn't give it and take it away based on our behavior. Right. And so many of us grew up with this like idea that Jesus has a checklist mm. and he's looking at you and disappointed like, mm-mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that's not it. We're, we are to, uh, our Christian life is supposed to be a joy, not a drudgery. Yeah, that's good. But when we define it with all of these rules, right? it it becomes a drudgery. Even like marriage is supposed to be joyful, like partnership and mm-hmm. love and, you know, let's, let's share our lives together. But all these rules have infected our marriages and turned them into a drudgery. And that's right. not at all what the gospel was supposed to do. The gospel was supposed to reverse the curse, right. not preach the curse. <laughs> right. That's good. Now, y- you mentioned this you mentioned this idea uh, a few a few minutes ago, but I want to bring it up again. You say in your book, we deny God's power. I think you just said we deny the gospel, but same thing, God's power when we claim Christianity, but only put on an outward appearance of obedience. And that, that sentence is powerful. And we kind of unpacked that a little bit, but, you know, that's... That's that's a very true thing that many of us can fall into. So I guess a, another kind of way, instead of just unpacking that, instead of denying God's power by doing that, how can we actually live through the gospel and live through God's power and sort of, I guess the question is, how do we become free of trying so hard on our own and just allowing the power of God to work in our lives? Well, you know, God's power is going to work in our lives despite all of our efforts to control it. Mm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you know what the hardest thing it is is for Christians to do? Rest. Right. Like, what does it mean to live by faith? Mm. It means that you're trusting in someone else's righteousness on your behalf, not trying to work up your own. Mm. And so, like, just live Just live your life. Like 99.9% of ministry is not stuff you sign up for. Yeah, that's good. 99, we're always trying to quantify, oh, what's my spiritual gift? Oh, what? So that I can sign up for ministries that are, you know, along with my spiritual gift. Guess what? You have received a gift. Right. You will use it. Yeah. That's so (laughs) good. Yeah. Despite what all of your efforts, your gift is going to be used as you just live your life. Mm. Go live your life in community with people. You know, we, we spend so much time in the church with all of our million ministries that we have created that we don't even have time to be in the world. Right. Because we're so busy making casseroles for church events. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Just live. Just live. It's the, the beauty of faith is that you don't have to nitpick yourself to death. Right. You don't have to like analyze, was that sin? Should I should I apologize for that? Did I should I confess? Should I, you know, we spend yeah. so much time like gazing at our navel that we we wake up one day and we realize I haven't lived. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Now, obviously, as you're saying that, um, I want to just bring in that kind of last question, the, the kind of question about what it is to abide in Christ. Because, you know, you say that all we really need to do is save sons and daughters of God is to abide in Christ. That's it, you know? So the question is, you're saying now to me that instead of, you know, trying to do all these things, just live. Go live your life of faith relying on the character of God and the promises of God. Just go and do that. But how does abiding in Christ 
sort of change your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I just like, <laughs> I mean, this is a, a pretty new concept for me, actually, you know, being raised, tell, being told my whole life what a Christian, you know, my mother just left and she, she was like, hold your stomach in, stand up straight. You know, people oh need to know you're a Christian, you know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like abiding in Christ is living. That is the same as living by faith. Mm. And, you know, I just think about as you go and you live your life, you know, how is it a good testimony to be fake? Like I use an example in the book of we've become this whole generation of Stepford wives where, <laughs> you know, we think that we're going to preach Jesus by our clean houses and our Martha Stewart parties, right. you know, but really like the best opportunities I've had to talk about Jesus are when I'm... Uh, I'm at work and someone's struggling in their marriage. And I say, yeah, I've been through that. Like my marriage was in shambles. You know, like right. we share Jesus when we are real people. Yeah. And it's our, it's our weakness that attracts the world. Not our, not our fake strength. Right. Yeah. And so to abide in Jesus is just to always just be genuine. Yeah. And, you know, pray without ceasing doesn't mean you get up at five in the morning and you you recite off a whole bunch of junk that Jesus already knows. Right. <laughs> like praying without ceasing is is being cognizant of his presence. Right. And and just saying, you know, in this conversation with this woman, saying, Lord Jesus, help help me to just love her and listen to mm. her and not just jump in and make this about me. You right. know, like, yeah, that's good. Help me to be real. Help me to be kind. Help me to, you know, and yeah. and somehow we Christians think that by being angry and demanding that the world be moral and godly like us, right. that somehow they're going to repent and they're going to just be like, oh, I want to be like that angry person over there. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they don't. Right. They don't want to be like us when we're angry. No, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, as, as we're talking now, just kind of finish up, I, I'm just thinking there are people listening who have had in their mindset, whether it was preached to them at their church or their family, like for instance, for, with like you, where, uh, a good discipline, good obedience, right? Obedience, that was godliness. And that's what they really feel like Christianity is. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, grow up, they're, getting out of high school, they're starting to go to college and they grew up in that household. And now it's like they feel free from that. And then they actually leave the church and leave their faith. So my kind of last question for you uh, would just be to ask, you've been through it. What were the things that you did or what were the things that you saw or experienced that was kind of enabled you to not like kind of make that 180 change where you're now just relying on Christ. Simple question. How do we go from relying on ourselves to relying on Christ? What could you encourage people with? You know, I, I didn't do anything. Mm. The RC Sproul tells a story about, you know, a father holding um, a little child by the hand at the train station and saying, now hold on to my hand and don't let go because it's not safe. Mm. Well, he's given the command to the child to hold on. Right. But but who's holding on, really? Mm. It's the father yeah. who's holding on to the child. Even though the child has been commanded to hold on, yeah. 
Right. You know, we we all fear that our kids are going to go off. I mean, I'm I'm an empty nester now myself. Right. Um, and and we all fear that our our kids are going to go off uh, the rails. <laughs> and but it's I can't keep that from happening by putting my kids under the law. Right. Yeah. Uh, love must release. And and guess what, parents, we can trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like it's not our kids' salvation is not up to us. Yeah, that's good. And even you kids who are going off into the world and you're going to experience a little bit of freedom. Well, guess what? I experienced a lot of freedom. <laughs> okay, I lived in Hollywood. Yes. Right? The Lord never never let me go. In fact, he he uh, there were a couple of um times when um I should have I should have died. So, I was given a date rape drug one night. And, um, and I went and passed out in the women's bathroom where my, um, attacker couldn't get to me. Wow. So (laughs) like parents, you know, live on your knees. Yes. But the Holy spirit can be trusted. And I didn't do anything to hold on to my own faith. Wow. The Lord held on to me. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, Marcy, thank you so much, uh, for taking some time out of your day to sort of share your story, which I think is very powerful, obviously. And then also kind of taking us through some important principles that obviously you go into a little bit more detail in your book, Grace is Free, One Woman's Journey from Fundamentalism to Failure to Faith. And to anyone listening that um, that sounds interesting, that maybe you're sort of in a place where you would like to experience this ability to just abide in Christ and rest in Christ, that's sort of what Marcy's been talking about. Um, I'm going to put the links uh, to where you can get her book and find out more on the episode page as well. But once again, Marcy, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for just sharing your story, sharing the gospel, and um, I hope to have you back on the show again soon. Great. Thank you. That was Marcy Preheim talking about her book, Grace is Free. Uh, To follow Marcy and to read her blogs and see what else she is thinking about and up to, just head to marcypreheim.com. That's Marcy, M-A-R-C-I, Preheim, which is spelled P-R-E-H-E-I-M, Com. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Marcy, I'd encourage you to actually go back online and sift through the archive of our other conversations. Um, this here has already been so uh, fun and also educational in a sense as we've talked with, you know, Tim Mackey from The Bible Project. You've probably seen some of their videos. We talked about, you know, why do we study the Bible? We've talked with David Mathis from Desiring God. We've talked with Trevin Wax from The Gospel Coalition and just a host of others. Again, our intention Um, and the mission of Endowed. Our intention is to bring the gospel to the many relevant issues of life and faith that we face every day, cultivating conversation. And our hope really is for, you know, these conversations to go out, whether they're conversations on legalism like today or evangelism or alcohol or dating or worldviews or whatever they may be. Our, our hope really is to talk about these things so that you can go and talk about those things. And then hopefully there's a transformation in, in character and behavior that takes place through that because we want the gospel to influence all these different areas of life that we do face every single day. Also, another radio station in Canada has placed us on their station, which is so exciting. Um, If you're listening on the air right now, we'd love to know. Now, if you're brave enough 
you can straight up call us at 1-800-663-2425. Or you can always just reach us on our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Anyways, connect with us this week. Let us know who you are and where you're from. Search In Doubt on Facebook and keep connected. Or follow us on Twitter at In Doubt Ministry. If there's a guest or a topic that you're interested in talking about or listening to, uh, you can let us know as well. Just email us at info at indoubt.ca and tell us the topic and the guest. If you wish to make a donation to Indoubt today, which would be highly appreciated, you can click the donate button at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we chat with pastor and author Peter Krull on how ordinary people can and should study the Bible. See you then. Indoubt Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.